That's the double truth, Ruth. Welcome to Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantine Anima, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name is Connor Selvin. Thank you very much for joining us today. Happy Monday, everybody. I am... This was a nice, like, little... This is going to be a fun episode. I am completely refreshed. I had a nice little weekend, uh, you know, by myself, just on the couch, watching football and movies. (laughs) Uh, the whole, you know, the entire time, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, just one of the, everyone needs like a lazy weekend every now and then. And I got mine. So, you know, n- a nice chance to kind of reset the batteries. Uh, one of those things. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm jazzed up. We got a lot to talk about on the show. Uh, in addition to, um, the mo- uh, the movie we're going to be talking about, our featured movie, we also got rapid fire reviews. Uh, and we'll go over go over the new episode of What If uh, from uh, from Marvel, uh, but also the Emmys are on right now. And <laughs> it's funny I didn't even realize that until I was watching I was watching football this afternoon. And they were like, "Oh, and stick around for the Emmys later." And I was just like, "Oh yeah, I completely forgot about those." So I know a while back we did a breakdown of uh, the nominees. Maybe next week we'll do a more in depth breakdown. Now that we're only doing these shows once a week. Uh, doesn't really, I don't know. I, I, well, I, I don't have anything prepared for it today, mostly because I don't want to have to wait for the Emmys to be over to start recording. Uh, but let's see, it's about 10 p.m. right now. They're doing some Lifetime Achievement Award for someone I've never heard of. Ted Lasso's winning everything. The Crown's winning everything. Uh, Hacks won a bunch of stuff. It's really like three shows. <laughs> Actually, yeah, now I'm, trying, now I'm trying to think about it. It's like Ted Lasso swept the acting categories it was nominated for. Hacks won Best Actress for Gene Smart, Writing and Directing. Uh, so now it's just going to be like, well, who's going to win Best Show, uh, Best Comedy? The drama series, I don't think anyone cares about this year. <laughs> it's just Crown 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 this and that so uh but thank god one of them wasn't there to accept the award i think yeah they've already won four awards tonight but not, although i shouldn't hate on the ground because i i've only watched the first two seasons of it and it is very good tv anywho we got some movies to talk about and we got some movies that are I, i'm i'm very late in the ball game uh watch, watching uh a few of these actually uh, but the big one uh, that I want to talk about today is uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. And I have been looking for this movie uh, for a while. Uh, but, you know, ne- you know, I think it never, I've never seen it on a streaming service. It's not, you know, popular in syndication, things like that. Um, so what, uh, a few weeks ago, I saw that it was going to be coming on to Netflix uh, in September. I was like, oh, like, hell yeah, that's. Like, I've I, I wanted to see that movie for a long time. And it was one of those things where uh, it's similar to uh, when I watched Magnolia uh, for the first time a few weeks ago. It's this classic movie, uh, you know, Do the Right Things from 1989. So it has an additional 10 years um, on Magnolia. But it, I, I didn't really know anything about it. I had, like, a general idea of what the plot was. Uh, you know, it's this, like, series of characters you see on this, like, one block in uh, in, in New York, uh, and you know, there's, and it's just kind of like a day, like the hottest day of the year. That's all I really understood about it. I didn't really know what happened in it. I didn't know any of the stories. I 
you're, I, I'm not, I, like, I don't really think I've ever seen clips of it. I've seen images uh, of it. You know, I've seen uh, <laughs> Spike Lee's character, Mookie. Uh, his outfit is, abs- both of his outfits are absolutely uh, outrageous yet iconic at the same time. Um, but I didn't really have anything ever spoiled uh, about the movie for me, which was great because I don't think I've been locked in on a movie I was watching at home. In a, I haven't been this locked in on a movie that I was watching at home in a long time. Um, and, you know, sometimes a lot of that is just because of, like, all the distractions, you know, we have, like, uh, phones, uh, the dog, uh, my fiance, uh, the, you know, just other stuff, uh, going on around, you know, around the house. Sometimes I, you know, I just got other things in my mind while I'm thinking stuff and like movies are basically just something to pass the time or, you know, just kind of background noise, things like that. Uh, but this one wasn't, I actually like was excited to sit down and, you know, zero in on this movie. And I'm really, really glad I did, uh, because, I absolutely love this movie, and I know that that's not uh, <laughs> a new take at all because it's uh, an extremely popular movie. Uh, you know, very, very well uh, regarded uh, in in cinema lore. Uh, you know, breakout movie for Spike Lee. I know. Uh, you know, he's gone on and has had you know great success in his career. Uh, we've covered some of his movies. I know we did an entire episode on. Uh, Inside Man at one point, and then we did uh, The Five Bloods. I was pushing for that um, all last year in the Oscar race, but much to no avail. Uh, We also did a review of Black Klansman at some point. I think we did... I'm trying to remember if we did something. I feel like there was one more Spike Lee movie uh, that was in there. I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and he's got 129 directing credits, and What's awesome about that is like he's a dude who just doesn't stop. Like he just like you know you might not think of, uh, you know people think of him as a film director, but like he does a lot of TV, he does a lot of documentary work, he does a uh, it looks like he does a bunch of stuff with video games uh, as well. So uh, I'm trying to find dude, how many Spike Lee joints did we do? He got game. That's the other one we talked about. He get, we I know we've talked about he got game at some point. Uh, but yeah, so. I've, I'm really in on Spike Lee right now. I think over the last like year or so, as I've kind of, because let's see, he got game, uh, the five bloods and, uh, and, and do the right thing. I, those were all movies I saw for the first time in the past year. Uh, although I guess, Oh God, I guess I haven't seen the five bloods in more than a year at this point. Cause it came out last summer. Uh, oh Jesus. I gotta watch that again. Um, black clans. When I saw that in theaters, loved it. Um, and one thing that's obvious about Spike Lee and, you know, seeing uh, the different genres he's touched, uh, he is one of the most creative storytellers, uh, I think, in the business. Um, you know, do the right thing. It's, you know, a lot of his movies, you know, you go from one to the other and it's com- they're similar in that they still have that like Spike Lee vibe to them, but they're also just completely different. Um, you know, I wouldn't have thought that this, like the guy who did do the right thing was the same guy who did inside man, who was the same guy who did uh black Landsman. like just the way that they shoot them. Like, yeah, like they all have that kind of like spike, 
you know, you know, those like Spike Lee qualities, but, you know, subject matter is just so different. You know, he, uh, I mean, he can cover sports, he can cover social topics, he can cover war, which he's done more than once. He did Miracle at St. Anna as well, which I don't remember the last time I saw that movie, but I do remember liking it when I was younger. Um, so I'm all in on Spike Lee, man. I think he's, uh, I think he's an incredible director. Uh, and this one is, yeah, I'd say Do the Right Thing is probably my, eh, I don't want to say favorite because I love, uh, like, I love The Five Bloods and Black Klansman was a hell of a movie too. But this one is, <laughs> this one's definitely up there. This might be his best written uh, movie. The script for this one is absolutely, absolutely incredible. Uh, it's filled with uh, incredible characters. Uh, and performance. I didn't realize like how loaded the cast was either. Um, you know, I didn't realize John, it was a big role for Giancarlo Esposito and John Turturro and early role for Samuel Jackson as well. Uh, and Samuel Jackson, he's, uh, you know, he's, we've talked about him more than any other actor on this, on this podcast. Uh, if you look, if you remember the, by the numbers episode we did, uh, or segment we did in the 200th episode. Um, oh, what's that? Sorry, I have the Emmys on in the background. Something won, and it doesn't look like it was The Crown. But, I don't know, it's on mute. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, some kind of best directing award, but they don't look British. So, oh, it's a limited anthology series or movie. So, oh, then it's got to be Mary of Easttown, right? Um, anyhow. Uh, but yeah, so, like... Uh, Rosie Perez, also in the cast, uh, Roger, uh, Governor Smith, uh, sorry, uh, I can never say his name right, Roger Gwenver, Gwen, Gwenver Smith, I, I, I know I've seen him in, in other projects, uh, Frank Vincent, uh, you might recognize as, uh, um, Jimmy Stack from Goodfellas, um, or sorry, not Jimmy Stack's Billy Bats, he's also on The Sopranos, um, you know, just an absolutely incredible cast. Uh, it's also got Ruby D in it. Oh my God, my fu- I am all over the place uh, right now. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm like, I'm obviously trying to do this. I'm trying to scroll through the IMDb on my phone, and I'm also have an eye on the Emmys in the background, which I don't even know why because my back is turned to it. Uh, Danny Aiello, uh, also in the movie, he received an Academy Award nomination for this, um, which I was surprised that of all the people in the cast, he did. Um, uh, but you also have Richard Edson, who is a you know, popular character actor, very recognizable face. You've probably seen him uh, in some other works as well. He's, all, yeah, he's the garage attendant from uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And Ossie Davis as well uh, plays a uh, you know, memorable role. So, and uh, Martin Lawrence's uh, first role, if I'm not mistaken. So the cast is great. I love, 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 love how they were able to uh, kind of build this small world because um, basically the entire movie takes place in this like one block or so radius um, in New York and in, in Brooklyn. And, you know, you see the different, uh, you know, you see people of different races and uh, stuff like that. R- race relations is a huge uh, topic in the movie, obviously, uh, if, if you've seen it. And, you know, there's, uh, there's black people, uh, talking about, uh, you know, these people, then there's Asian people, uh, you know, so you hear their point of views on things. And then there's, uh, these Italian guys who 
are all, you know, are pretty racist. <laughs> if you don't say so, if I don't say so myself, uh, Puerto Rican, and I, I think they're, uh, yeah, I think there's Puerto Rican representation in there as well. So there's, you know, very, very interesting, uh, dynamic here. Uh, and you just kind of see, you know, who's interacting with who, like the, like the trio of guys, uh, sitting on the corner. Um, I'm blanking on their names right now. What's his name? Slick Dick Willie or Sweet Dick Willie <laughs> or something like that. You know, uh, you know, they're making observations about, uh, the Asian family that owns the, the corner market. And then there's, uh, the whole, well, whole, it's a major plot point. Uh, the, the, the Italians own this pizza joint, uh, on the corner and, you know, everyone goes there for all their pizza and like the guy, Sal, the, uh, Richard Aiello's, uh, sorry, Danny Aiello's character, uh, you know, says that he loves working there because, you know, he'd like watch these kids grow up and the food means so much to him and stuff like that. Uh, but John Turturro, his son is just, you know, extremely racist, <laughs> hates these guys, doesn't get along with, uh, Mookie. Uh, Spike Lee's character, who's also the delivery boy for them. Uh, and then, you know, there's the whole thing with uh, bugging out and Radio Raheem wanting to get uh, pictures on the wall of uh, black people because, you know, on the wall, that's just pictures of like Frank Sinatra and Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and, you know, famous Italians. Um, and, you know, Sal's whole thing is like, you know, when you own it, like you can pick who goes on the wall and uh, bugging out who's played by young Giancarlo Esposito, which I was like shocked when I, like I saw his name in the credits here. And by the way, the opening credit sequence is fucking awesome. Uh, you know, it's just a uh, Rosie Perez doing a dance number and a couple different sets and costumes. Uh, but you know, it's set to, uh, fight the power. Um, and it's like, like, I don't know at the time, like I obviously like, you know, 1989 came out before I was born. At the time, like I imagine, there's probably not many <laughs> shows or uh, movies that opened with, you know, mainstream hip hop dance numbers. That's uh, I, I would I can imagine that that wasn't, you know, too popular of a thing at the time. So you know, clearly Spike Lee uh, wanted to go out of his way to make, uh, you know, all these various cultures well known, particularly black culture. Uh, in this, and he, I, I think he thrived in that one. But anywho, uh, so bugging out uh, his, you know, his whole storyline in the movie is uh, trying to get pictures of black people on the wall because black people are the people who uh, are, are the ones spending their money on this pizza joint. And so, you know, you see the way that all these characters relate to one another, and you know, some some get along great, um, you know, but often people are divided and find ways to hate one another. Uh, you know, there's, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people can't stand, uh, radio Rahim. Uh, you know, he's this, uh, you know, bigger guy, uh, you know, big young guy who walks around with this uh, radio and he's playing, uh, fight the power on repeat the entire movie, <laughs> uh, pretty much. And, and we'll get, don't worry, we'll get into spoilers. The movie's over 30 years old at this point. Um, and, like, yeah, like, I could see, like, why that, like, bugs people, but you can tell that the people that it really bugs, <laughs> uh, you know, are, like, the Italian guys and the uh, the Asian uh, people and, like, like uh, you know, uh, the black 
community, there doesn't seem to mind it as much. Um, you know, the like uh, Mookie and Buggin, or not Buggin out, Mookie and uh, Radio Raheem, you know, they're boys and they, you know, Radio Raheem has that really cool monologue about love and hate. And he's got like the, what are those, like those ring things on his hand, you know, he puts them together and he does this whole monologue. I can't, I couldn't even repeat it, but it was, you know, <laughs> really, really cool uh, what, you know, what they're able to do. Uh, but, you know, then he goes into the pizza joint, he starts getting yelled at, he goes into the supermarket, he starts getting yelled at to turn it down and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back to the ending uh, later because that becomes a focal point uh, towards the end. And, you know, so we set, we see this day take out. We see all these people and all the shen- shenanigans they're getting into. You know, you see, uh, you know, the local drunk who's called the mayor. Uh, you know, we see him trying to scheme ways to, you know, scavenge money for booze and things like that. And then we see uh, Moki, you know, he's, he, you know, he's a delivery boy, so he gets to go all over the neighborhood. And then, you know, he's, because he's going all over the neighborhood, he gets to constantly, uh, he, you know, gets sidetracked. You know, now he's hanging out with these people. He's talking to these people, even though he's on the clock, you know, he's taking his time going from A to B. Um, and one of those, one of those uh, deliveries goes to a local radio station uh, on the block, and the DJ there is played by Samuel L. Jackson, and the character's name is Mister Senor Love Daddy, which is I am putting that in my I, I I don't know what the rest of the top five is, but I'm putting it in my top five favorite character names of all time. <laughs> Mister Senor Love Daddy is an absolutely awesome <laughs> character it's one of samuel jackson's cooler performances uh and you know and this was not many people knew who he was at the time you know he was in uh you know in the years after this like that's where he starts uh, he starts popping up in goodfellas and jurassic park and uh true romance and pulp fiction and uh, things like that so he you know he blows up within five years uh, after this uh but i don't i mean he's one of the, he's one of the highlights of the movie, uh, as Mr. Senor Love Daddy, super, super cool role for him. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I think the decisions that, uh, you know, Spike makes with, uh, you know, it, it, playing this whole, like, oh, it's like the hottest day of the year and here's how, you know, here's how it affects everyone. So, um, uh, you know, we start to see him and, you know, he's interacting with, uh, Tina, who's played by Rosie Diaz, who, um, you know, they have, uh, Spike plays uh, this character Mookie. Mookie and Tina have a, uh, have a child together. So, you know, he's, you know, while he's on his deliveries, you know, he's sneaking off to, you know, for a little hanky-panky with her. Uh, but then, you know, they're also talking about, uh, you know, some serious stuff. And then he's, you know, he's trying, you know, she wants him to get out there and start making some money and doing his thing. But, and, you know, that's what he's trying to do, but, you know, there's, they have, they kind of have this like toxic relationship in a way where, you know, they're always just busting each other's balls. And then, you know, there's, uh, what's your name? Um, mother, sister, who's this kind of Ruby D's character, you know, she's this, uh, you know, older woman who kind of sits on her stoop or in her window uh, and she just kind of oversees the neighborhood. She knows who everyone is. And she's kind of like the watcher and what if <laughs> like she just kind of uh, knows about everything and everyone and, you know, what everyone's business is. Uh, you know, the Italians, uh, you know, the guys who own the pizza joint, 
John Turturro's character is really despicable uh, <laughs> in this one, which, you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about John Turturro and his career. I'm pulling up his IMDb right now. I know, I mean, well, I know he's gone on and had a awesome career, uh, but I don't know too much about his early stuff. Um, his, well, his first role was Raging Bull, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't, I'm not really sure like what he was in leading up to this. Like, uh, Do the Right Thing is one of his first roles, uh, first like major roles, I believe. And then after this, you know, you get Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink and uh, you know other movies like that. But uh, tough role for an actor to play, knowing that you know the things you say are just going to be absolutely despicable and people are going to associate you with this, with this role. And so like, because I've like, if I saw this movie and it was the first time I saw John Turturro, I would immediately always think of like, Oh, he's the guy from do the right thing. The guy who's, you know, tossing the N word around and just saying all this like ridiculously racist stuff uh, left and right. So the next, you know, 30 years, uh, you know, you're you're watching this guy, and you know it doesn't matter how many great movies and TV shows he's in. You know, he's always going to be that guy. Uh, but because I've seen John Turturro and you know dozens of other things, uh, I don't really have that perception of him. But I can only imagine, you know, as a younger actor, this is a really really tough role uh, that I'm sure him and Spike, uh, you know, talk about extensively on how to do it and uh, but stuff like that. Because because the thing is, like, if you're going to do a role like this and say what you want. Um, you, you know, try and convey the message I think try, Spike was trying to convey about uh, re race relations. Like, you can't really pull any punches here, and he and he certainly doesn't do that. Uh, and I, you know, I want to back up what I said. You know, he's it's a despicable character, but it's still a good performance uh, from John Turturro. It's one of the um, the standouts of the movie. I thought he was better than Danny Aiello. I don't really know. It's funny. <laughs> I I have no idea who Danny Aiello is. I, like, I'm sure I've seen him in stuff uh, before this, but nothing comes to mind. Like, I don't, I don't recognize his face. I don't recognize the name. Like, and then he's in this, and then he's also in the mo uh, another movie that I'm going to talk about, Rapid Fire Review. So in the in uh, span of like three days, I saw two Danny Aiello movies, two very famous uh, Danny Aiello movies, and I didn't even know who the guy was. And he somehow got an Oscar nomination for this. Even though, I mean, I say somehow like he's bad. He's not, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, you know t tough roles all around, really. Um, and I think Spike just absolutely knocked it out of the park uh, with this one. I think he, he, the characters they're uh, they're easy to identify and uh, you know kind of follow along. You know, they part of that is. Um, the like the way that they named the characters i thought was interesting you know how they're uh it's not just like oh like that's mark <laughs> uh like raheem you know he's radio raheem <laughs> you know and what's his defining characteristic he's got the big radio with him all the time uh bugging out you know what's what's bugging out's the, uh thing you know he's got the wild hair and the glass you know the thick glasses and everything so like instead of like I, I don't even think we ever learned what his actual name is like he's just bugging out uh, and so you know that's a you know it's a cool thing to identify 
uh, certain you know character spice. Mr. Senior Love Daddy, another one. <laughs> uh, for example, Demare, uh, you know the the drunk who's you know walking around offering pearls of wisdom to whoever will listen. Uh, you know, I think he's got a couple of good mo monologues and uh, you know throughout the movie. But yeah, I mean, I I love all the characters. I well, not love all. Like I said, some of them are pretty despicable, but <laughs> uh, but I, I love the way that he wrote the story. I think, um, you know, there it's it seems like towards the end of the movie, uh, before like as the final act is beginning, uh, there almost there's almost this like kumbaya, like you know we did it, you know we had a, a great, you know it's you get to see this day and like everyone thought this way at the beginning of the day, and then you know they talk and they do this stuff and that stuff. And then everything seems to be going great. You know, Sal, like he busts Mookie's balls throughout the day, but then at the end of the day, he acknowledges like, you know, like I've been running this place for, uh, you know, what was it? 25 years or something like that. And it's a family business. And I'm so proud that I built it and stuff like that. And Mookie, like, you know, you're always going to have a, a job here. Like, you know, you're like family to me uh, and stuff like that. So it's like, I, I honestly thought that's where the movie was about to end. You know, they they literally found out like it's like, oh, like we like we can do it like we, we can all get along like, you know, we can work together and things like that. And then it goes south. Um, I. So basically, af like after the uh, the store closes, uh, the restaurant closes. Uh, Radio Raheem comes in and, you know, he wants Radio Raheem and Bugging Out come in and they want to get. Uh, and some other people from the neighborhood, they want to get a slice of pizza. And, uh, you know, it's after hours, so they're doing him a favor by even letting him in there. But then Raheem's got his music uh, blasting. And, you know, you hear Fight the Power a lot in this movie. <laughs> like, you know, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a good song and everything, but, like, you hear it a lot. <laughs> it, it, it is nonstop. Um, so Raheem and Bugging Out, they start uh, yelling at Sal again about putting pictures on the wall. And they're kind of using the radio as uh, this like torture device, almost like, you know, he tells him that, you know, Sal's yelling at him to turn it down and stuff like that. And he's turned it up. Um, so then, you know, Sal starts to lose his cool a little bit. Uh, well, a lot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he lets some slurs, uh, lets some slurs out. And then he eventually takes a baseball bat from behind the counter and he destroys the radio, which was Raheem's like, the one, like it was his identifying characteristic was he was the guy with the radio and he, uh, you know, Sal goes out and destroys the radio. And then, you know, this fight ensues inside the bar. Raheem's going after Sal. People are trying to pull him off of him. And then, you know, the people are trying to pull the other people off of, you know, trying to pull, break up the fight. So it becomes this whole thing. And then, you know, Sal is, uh, you know, you know, he gets taken out of the restaurant and like Raheem, again, Raheem's a big dude. And, you know, Raheem's like choking him out. Like, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, Sal's gonna, like, he's gonna kill Sal. And then police show up. And I thought it was, the, so the police, uh, we see them earlier in, uh, the, in the movie and the scene that we first uh, see these two police officers, I'm blanking on their names right now. Um, basically, uh, this uh, group of kids, uh, these black kids, they had uh, 
open a fire hydrant up so there's water spraying out in the street and everything. And uh, Frank Vincent's character is driving this like really you know old Italian guy. Uh, you know he's driving this. Oh look, Kate Winslet just won for something um, for Mayor of Easttown. Well deserved. Um, so he's driving this uh, like antique car uh, convertible, like you know top down and everything. Uh, and he's yelling at the kids like, hey, like, you know, block the water. It's like, you know, this is a very expensive car. It's an antique. Like, you know, if it gets wet, like it's going to get ruined and stuff like that. And the kids are like, oh, yeah, like we'll block it. Like, don't worry about it. So they like stand in front of the hydrant and stuff so that he can drive by. And like he keeps saying, yelling like, you better not like do it. Like, you better not get away. Like, you better not just like move out of the way. And so like, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. So then somehow, some way he believes these kids. And of course, like. As a viewer, you know you know exactly what's coming. As soon as he starts driving through, they're gonna, you know, get his car wet, and that's exactly what happens. And then the cop, so you know, cops come. They and they're giving uh, Frank Vincent's character shit uh, at first, like you know, like they're they're siding with the kids uh, for what it seems like. Uh, you know, he's demanding like you know he wants an arrest and stuff like that, but like he can't identify who it was and this and that. So like they're they're almost siding with the kids, and then once the you know the older guy leaves, like they start giving shit to the kids about playing with the fire hydrant, and then so like it, it was kind of hard to tell like you know who like because they built up these characters at the beginning seemingly to be like okay these are gonna be like the cops are on their like you know they're the locals they get it seemingly, uh, but then. We cut, you know, we flash forward to the final act. That is not the case at all. Um, you know, so the, uh, the two cops show up on the scene, you know, with this fight going on outside of Sal's. Uh, and they get into, you know, the brawl and they pull Raheem off of them. And one of the cops, you know, he takes uh, his club and he's, you know, puts it around Raheem's neck and he like kind of pulls him up. And he ends up uh, strangling Raheem and to the point where uh, Raheem is murdered. And, you know, they, it, it's a really like jaw dropping sequence because it's something that, and, and, you know, they, you know, not only do they kill him, but like they, once people start yelling at them, like knowing like what they did and like, there's all these witnesses and stuff like that. Like they take Raheem's body, toss it in the back of the cruiser and drive off. Um, and then this riot ensues and, you know, people are, uh, breaking stuff in cells, and eventually they even burn the thing down. Uh, but I mean, it is—it it was shocking uh, watching it because you know not only you know you had watched everything in you know leading up to that, uh, you know, like I like like I mentioned, like you thought that you know you had gotten to a good place, uh, you know, you had Sal and Mookie mending. Uh, you know, their relationship. Uh, and then this happens and it, you know, it, it's, it's horrifying because stuff like that happens, especially after watching, you know, some of the events unfold and, you know, over the past year and, you know, the years leading up to that and, you know, George Floyd comes to mind and, it's disgusting because like, you know, you see this uh, behavior was going on back then, you know, uh, I mean, it's always been going on, uh, unfortunately, which is what, what, I mean, it's what, what else can be said about it? It's disgust. It's absolutely disgusting. And, but watching it, like it is, 
the way that Spike tells the story is so powerful. And you're just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe like what I'm watching here, but that's, you know, what he's trying to do. He's trying to get people to listen. You know, it's like, this is what's happening uh, to, you know, these communities and, and, you know, they're getting away with it. So, and then, you know, after the riot, you know, breaks out the firemen, uh, the fire department come because they, you know, they're burning the restaurant down and, uh, you know, they're spraying people with the hoses and stuff like that. It's, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, uh, and, and nobody wins, nobody wins in this situation. You know, the, you know, Sal and his family, like they lost their business, you know, uh, now Mookie's out of a job now. Uh, the community, he not only did he lose his job, but he lost, you know, one of his good friends, uh, you know, bugging out, uh, gets taken away in the police cruiser. We don't know what ends up happening to him, uh, once he gets taken away, but it's, I mean, it, it was really, it was disturbing, but it was powerful and a really great, like, I, I think that the message that he's trying to get across is just like, you know, like you need to listen to like, this is what's happening to us. I, at least that's how I interpreted it. You know, it was, it, it, I, I don't think I've ever seen an example of, you know, re, uh, race relations told as powerfully as this, you know, there's, because there's so many ways that like in Hollywood you can, you know, we see movies kind of, uh, okay. Think of like uh, something like the blind side. Uh, for example, you know, it's, it, uh, it has this, uh, like this white savior kind of mentality, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we like, here's how, you know, here's what's happening. And like, here's how like white people came in and like fixed it, you know, so to speak. So, but that's not, I mean, that's not what this movie is at all. Uh, it's, you know, a much more realistic depiction of something that is probably, well, not probably is definitely far too common. Um, uh, you know, something that I didn't really grow up around. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I'll admit I don't have the greatest understanding of it, but I like to think that I understand enough to the point where it's just like, this is, this is wrong. <laughs> like how, like, how is this happening? How is this still happening? Um, but, but no, I th this movie was, th this movie made, so that it was very impactful in kind of getting that point across to me. And I hope that it made its point to, you know, the millions of people who've watched it over the years, you know, I, I hope people can watch a movie like this and think like, wow, like, you know, okay, this is, this is what these, you know, this is what people go through, you know, like, even if that's like, I, like I didn't grow up on a street in Brooklyn, you know, like I grew up in, you know, suburban Boston you know, Boston area. And it, you know, it's just different. Like, I don't really, you know, like I didn't grow up in that world, but you know, it's, it, it was just a really eye opening film. Like I was thinking about it for days and days afterwards. I, I think I watched it on Tuesday and, you know, I've, you know, I was reading, I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole the next day, just like reading everything I can about it, reviews and uh, theories about the movie and, you know, people inter and people's interpretations of different things that we see, uh, that we saw. But I mean, I, I can't, it, it's hard for me to put into words, like how powerful the movie was to me personally. Um, and you know, I love Spike Lee. I think Spike Lee is a tremendous filmmaker. I, you know, I want to start watching more of his stuff, uh, you know, wherever I can find it. I know, I think Malcolm X is sitting on 
Netflix, but it's just, I don't know, it's, I haven't gotten around to it, but I want to get around to it. And the fact that I, you know, one of the movies that we'll talk about in wrap for our reviews, the fact that I chose to watch that over uh, Malcolm X because of length uh, was, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty inexcusable uh, looking back on it now. Uh, but yeah, overall, Do the Right Thing is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I I get that, you know, Spike Lee's uh, style and, uh, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you know, with, you know, even with, you know, subject matter uh, removed, like the way he, uh, like the way he shoots, the way he edits, the way he uses music and uh, graphics and like he, like he, Spike doesn't pull his punches when he's trying to get his message across. Like he jams it down your throat. He absolutely jams it down your throat. Like even the uh, the message, uh, you know, part of what was interesting about this movie to me was like after uh, the film was over, uh, and you know we've watched everything that we've watched. Uh, there's two quote cards that come up uh, before the credits start rolling. One is from Martin Luther King uh, about you know restraint from using violence and you know you know, choose peace and things like that. Uh, and then there's a, a quote right after that from Malcolm X. That's essentially, you know, I'm pro violence when it comes to self-defense and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and again, paraphrasing, completely paraphrasing, but, uh, so the viewers, the viewers left to take what they just observed and they need to like, they're not spoon feeding you the lesson here. It's like, you got to watch it. And then like, hopefully like it had, it's not, like, it's not spooning feeding you. It's punching you in the mouth, <laughs> so to speak. So, uh, but again, I, I think that, that, you know, this, this is a masterpiece, um, you know, and it, it's gotten lots of acclaim, uh, since its release. Um, you know, it wasn't a huge hit up, uh, at the beginning. Um, or let me, let me pull that up. Uh, it was, yeah. So, you know, it was made on a six and a half million dollar budget, made 27, at the box office, but, uh, you know, nominated for a pair of Oscars and over time, like now, you know, watching the movie now, like now I understand just like, okay, like that's why this movie isn't on <laughs> TNT on, you know, Saturday afternoon. Uh, that's, you know, that's why it doesn't get, it, it, this isn't like the Friday night, like, oh, like let's throw on some popcorn and watch do the right thing. It's not a movie in my opinion, that's, you're going to be like, damn, like, I love this movie. Like I'm going to go watch this again for kicks. Like, no, this is a, this is a statement movie. Uh, you know, it, it deserves repeated viewings. Uh, but I don't think like, I, I understand why it hasn't been like, like growing up, like it wasn't as accessible as some of the other, uh, you know, most of the other movies that we've talked about on here that, you know, I saw when I was growing up. So, uh, but either way, do the right thing. It's on Netflix right now. I can't recommend it enough. Um, it is, you know, if you haven't seen it, uh, you know, like I had it, I know that I've kind of spoiled, you know, spoiled it for you, but at the same time, uh, you know, the movie's 30 years old, 30, you know, 30 plus years old at this point. So, uh, the statute of limitations for spoilers has expired, my friend. Uh, okay. So why don't we get to uh, some rapid fire reviews, and then uh, we got some, uh, 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 sorry, some did you knows. Then we'll get to rapid fire reviews. Got a few movies I want to talk about. Uh, but first, uh, did you knows? 
Uh, Spike Lee originally wanted Robert De Niro for the role of Sal Frangioni, uh, but De Niro turned down the part, saying that it was too similar to many of the parts he had played in the past. In the end, the part went to Danny Aiello. De Niro's photo is one of the pictures that appear on Sal's Wall of Fame. Both De Niro and Aiello appear alongside in The Godfather Part Two and Once Upon a Time in America, which, spoiler alert, that's going to be one of the movies that we review later. Um, so... I, I mean, I, I think Sal, the Daniel is cast well as Sal. Like, I think if you put Robert De Niro in here, I think it might have been distracting. Um, and, it, you know, when I say distracting, it's because, like, you know, he has, like, such star power about him, especially, like, at that time where, you know, you're not, it, it's important to identify Sal as a character. Uh, not Danny Aiello. And if you know, if you have Sal as, uh, you know, Robert De Niro is playing Sal, like everyone's just going to identify with Robert De Niro. It's like, yeah, you know, you bring it, you might bring in like a couple extra bucks at the box office and, you know, no one's denying his, his acting capabilities. But I think Danny Aiello had that much more like every man, uh, look to him, which I thought was uh, crucial, uh, in a movie like this. But I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how Robert De Niro would have, uh, you know, what he would have done with a role like this. You know, I mean, like if Robert De Niro was, you know, as old, if they were making this movie today, I think that, yeah, De Niro might actually be a good choice for that because, you know, he's now that he's a little older and, uh, you know, things like that. But, you know, at the height of his career, no, I don't think that, you know, casting him would have been a smart idea. So, but yeah, I think they got it right with Danny Aiello there. All right, moving on. Next up, we have, excuse me, uh, Radio Raheem's explanation of the love and hate rings he wears is an homage to the speech that the preacher gave in The Night of the Hunter from 1955. Robert Mitchum's preacher has two tattoos on his hands that say love and hate. I think, like, Radio Raheem, uh, I mean, that scene was uh, obviously, you know, what happens to him is, uh, you know, one of the, is the most powerful thing in the movie. But uh, <laughs> I loved his character, uh, you know, for the first uh, two thirds in the movie, uh, you know, and like the, he gives this monologue. I, I mentioned before, like the love and hate thing. He's got these, uh, you know, he's got these rings. He's walking around with, uh, you know, the boombox over his shoulder. And uh, he's uh, the style in this movie is I, I love the costume designs. Because not only are they just like 80s and, you know, wild and fantastic, but like you're watching this movie and just thinking like, how the fuck did people actually like walk around like this? Like it's like it's the hottest day of the year. So, you know, people are wearing uh, these like light uh, clothes that, you know, you know, they're all drenched in sweat and stuff like that. You know, uh, Mookie's walking around uh, with like a, a Jackie Robinson uh, jersey on at the beginning, but Eventually, he's wearing this, like, Sal's Pizza delivery shirt with these, like, neon green shorts with, like, neon green, like, tights underneath. And, and you know, they all have uh, the high-top shoes and the high socks and everything. And, like, it, <laughs> just a really wild sense of style uh, throughout the movie. But it was one of the things that I loved about it. The atmosphere was perfect on this movie. They absolutely nailed the set design and uh, the costume design and... Uh, all, just everything about it, they, they they nailed that stuff. Um, 
All right. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne uh, was offered but turned down the role of Radio Raheem. Uh, so I love Lawrence Fishburne. I really do. Uh, I wish, you know, we'd see more of him. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that uh, a lot of people identified as, you know, once the Matrix came out, they just kind of identified him as Neo after that. But, you know, he's done so much great work. Um, you know, my favorite role of his is uh, Furious Styles and Boys of the Hood. Furious Styles and Mr. Senior Love Daddy are you know, probably right up there is with coolest names. <laughs> My favorite movie character names of all time. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Lawrence Fishburne would have done a great job uh, with this. And, you know, he's got that, he's got that really cool voice uh, to him as well. But the uh, so radio Raheem is played by, um, I'm forgetting his name, and I can't find him in the cast list. Where is he? Please hold. Bill Nunn, who I admit I don't think I've seen him in anything else. He's Supposedly he's in all three Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire ones, but uh, I don't recognize him from those. Uh, but he's got this like really deep voice that's... I don't know if, you know, especially at the time, like, I don't know what Lawrence Fishman would sound like, but I think that that voice kind of added so much to the character. So uh, I'm I'm fine keeping Bill Nunn as as is here. I don't need Lawrence Fishburne. All right, let's rate the movie. Scale one to five hazmats, as we always do. Uh, and I'm going to give Do the Right Thing. I'm going to give it four and a half. Um, I think the, I mean, the message in, uh, you know, the production value here is, I think, top-notch. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, I've already gone into that a lot. I think some one, some of my issues uh, with the film, uh, the acting is not always the best. Uh, you know, I'll admit that throughout. I think, you know, Spike Lee, like we talked about, like his aesthetic style and stuff like that, I think it can get a little extreme at points um the <laughs> too much uh fight the power uh uh you know playing on repeat over and over again for this one uh i would you know as great as they spread the love around you know with highlighting different communities um and you know spike lee obviously you know has probably has the most to say about uh you know the black community in particular uh with this movie um but you know the uh, like the asian family uh you know i don't think we really got to them Got got to know them too well. Um, the uh, you know Latinx family on the or uh, group of group of friends on the corner. You know the ones that get into the uh, radio blasting competition with uh, Radio Raheem. I don't th really think we get to know them uh, too too well. So I wish they you know for all for as big as this cast was and like as much as we got to know and love these characters, I wish they dove into just a little more uh, of the other characters, but like the mother sister wasn't a particularly interesting character to me. Um, I, the relationship between her and Demare uh, was probably the most interesting part, but everything else was just kind of meh. There's also this like weird store uh, dynamic with Mookie's sister. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess they, you know, they slept in the same, like they sleep in the same bed or something. Uh, I don't know. That was kind of odd to me. That's not why I didn't like it, but, uh, you know, she gets uh, her screen time is uh, like the women in this movie are 
just kind of object like they're very objectified to me and it like it's not even like subtle um you know tina's character rosie perez's character tina is um you know there's uh a scene with you know that scene where they're uh fooling around uh you know i actually read some stuff on set or like in the did you knows that rosie perez wasn't really comfortable with everything that was going on on set and uh this and that and like i thought so you know watching that in hindsight like that's a little awkward uh Mookie's sister uh you know he's she basically like she goes into the pizza parlor at some point and sells just like all of a sudden like you know he's clearly like in love with her um and that's really all she gets to do throughout the entire movie so i, I don't know i would have liked to have seen them dive into some more people if they could have uh but i just don't know how they would have done that so four and a half uh, hazmats for me uh, for do the right thing Okay. All right. We've been talking about that movie for a long time. So let's try see if we can wrap this up in under an hour. Uh, rapid fire reviews. Uh, leading off, going to talk about uh, Once Upon a Time in America. A uh, movie that is similar to Do the Right Thing. I have, you know, I, I read about it on, you know, best movies of the 80s and best gangster movies ever made and, uh, you know, American masterpieces. And it's got this crazy, what is it? It was like an eight four or something on imdb uh yeah an eight four on imdb uh you know robert de niro james woods uh it's a sergio leone movie and i now know <laughs> why well for starters the movie is three hours and 49 minutes long uh and that was the trimmed down version apparently um and the movie is a it's a fucking mess <laughs> So, all right, so it's basically this classic, um, you know, uh, humble, you know, kids in America, you know, like this, uh, you know, humble beginnings. It follows a group of uh, uh, young Jewish kids uh, and how they grow up, uh, you know, in this life of crime. And then they become, uh, you know, bootleggers in the Great Depression. And, you know, they build up this massive fortune. And then, you know, as as it gets build, uh, bigger, their relationships are tested with one another. And then. Uh, you know, there's greed and violence and, uh, you know, women get in the way and all this stuff, like storylines that we've seen play out hundreds and hundreds of times uh, in cinema. And, but, you know, 1984, so I could see how the movie was a little more cutting edge at the time. But, I mean, my God, like this movie has not aged well at all. Um, now, if you ask me, uh, so there's, um, they have like young versions of the characters from when they're kids. Uh, that's kind of like the first act of the movie. Uh, well, I mean, it's non-linear storytelling, uh, but, you know, the first act of the movie, they focus a lot on uh, these kids and their, you know, beginnings and stuff like that. That was the most interesting part of the movie to me. Uh, I think that was the best storytelling that they did, I think, um, you know, from, you know, see, seeing where the, what these kids come from and what they do and how they're, you know, bre breaking into, you know, the criminal underworld. Uh, I thought that stuff was incredible, uh, but then they grew up <laughs> and that, you know, although the production value in this movie is, is really good. I'll give them that, you know, the set pieces and the costumes and the, all that stuff is, is, is all fine and dandy. Uh, the story and the performances are not good at all. Like I, James Woods, I'll give him credit. You know, I think he's pretty good. Robert De Niro, very underwhelming. Um, <laughs> suppose he's trying to play like a 20 year old guy, but he's like in his forties, I think. At uh, this point in his life, so like it was a little tough to believe, um, and 
I mean, some of the subject matters, like the, <laughs> like at one point that, you know, we talked about objectifying women and, you know, do the right thing. Oh my God. In this movie, holy shit. Like it, it, it's absolutely disgusting. Like there is a, there's one scene in the movie that kind of just like sealed it for me. It's just like, I am not interested in this anymore. Uh, but, but, you know, I kept watching. Uh, there is a, it's a scene where like, there's a storyline throughout the movie, uh, you know, uh, Robert De Niro's character, whose name is Noodles. They never explain like what, you know, why that's his nickname, but the character's name is Noodles and they want us to, you know, when you're a kid, it's funny, but like, you know, as an adult, like they're calling this guy, they're calling this guy Noodles. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, and so there's this, there's a storyline with him and, uh, you know, one of his friend's sisters, like they have this, uh, like they're clearly in love, but there's always this like, will they, won't they, uh, kind of thing about their relationship. And then, you know, after they reconvene, uh, you know, many years later, uh, you know, they're, you know, just when he thinks that they're about to be together, she tells him that he's, she's moving to Hollywood to become an actress or something. And, his response to this and like we uh, again like and this scene in particular is maybe like at the two and a half to 245 uh, mark in the movie um and there is a like her his response to her uh her telling him that she's leaving uh is that he he rapes her in the back of a car and like it's a and it's like a very like extent like extended sequence it's like almost it feels like it's like a five minute scene and like it's extremely uncomfortable to watch um you know especially because like they like they don't hide much uh you know it's like it's it's really brutal to watch you know pretty <laughs> disgusting and it doesn't fit in with the storyline at all <laughs> like it's just it, it almost it almost feels like it's like shock value um, you know, but then after it happens, like they want you to feel like they, they cut to an intermission. There's an intermittent, like this movie's long enough that they put an intermission into it nearly at the three hour mark into a four hour movie. And, it, you know, it just came after the most shocking thing that you see the entire movie. And that's, you know, I'm just scratching the surface of like, you know, <laughs> obscure shit that we see in this. Uh, like and they cuts to an intermission, so you just have to like sit there and think about what you just saw, and then they come back and they want you to feel bad for the guy. Like they try and <laughs> make this a sympathetic character, but yeah, he's oh my god, it it's it made no sense. This movie stinks. <laughs> I, I I fucking hate this movie. I hated that I chose to give up my Friday night to watch it. Um, I hate that, <laughs> I hate that people regard it as this, like, cinema classic. It's just like, no, like, it's fucking, it's like, it's like murder porn and just, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's violence for the sake of violence. It's, uh, you know, belittling women for the sake of belittling, belittling women and, talk about a movie that has not aged well at all. Now this one, I get why it is not like why it, it's never shown uh, anywhere. So, but no, I do, I do not recommend this movie. I cannot not recommend this movie enough. I, I, I fucking hated once upon a time. 
but I don't get the love. Like, I don't get the love for it. It's got an 8.4 on IMDb. That's like, what is that? That's like the, it's really high up on their all-time, like, movie list. It is the, it's number 71 greatest movie of all time, according to IMDb, which makes no, no sense to me. Um, now, supposedly, there's this, like, there's multiple versions of it. Like, I guess the version that was released in theaters was trimmed down even more. Uh, and then there was like some version that debuted at a Cannes Film Festival, but I don't think anyone's ever seen that version since the festival. Um, so like maybe like it's just missing story pieces, but like from what we get, like it is bad. This is a bad, bad movie. And then the ending is so, you know, stupid. Uh, you know, J- uh, James Woods, uh, you know, his character was, uh, you know, I- I'm-, I'm fucking spoiling this for you. Uh, James Woods' character um, <laughs> uh, he, we, we think that he dies very early on in the movie, like in this like robbery gone wrong. Uh, and then, you know, there's, they go back in flashbacks and they show you like what their relationship was like and stuff like that. And then like 30 years go by and we, it turns out he's alive. And not only is he alive, he's living a very high profile life as like a secret, as like the secretary of state or something like that. And he's, like not keeping a low profile at all. He just like put glasses on and, and changed his name. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, and then, you know, there's this whole thing with him and noodles and they, again, an adult man, a very old man uh, named noodles. Uh, you know, at this point in the story, uh, you know, they have this uh, dialogue and then, you know, he wants noodles to kill him for, you know, uh, you know, uh, so he could like avenge the things he's done or something like that. And then noodles refuses to do it. And then like, as noodles is walking away, uh, James Woods like runs out of his house and like jumps into a garbage truck that was sitting in the driveway. And he's like churned up by like the machinery inside. It's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, and the, and the music and the goddamn music in this movie is infuriating. There's like pan flutes, like throughout the entire thing, uh, the score the score is bad. It is just it is just straight up bad. And oh my, I, I you know what? I hate this movie. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna try and keep this under an hour, and I'm at like 58 minutes. So let's go rapid rapid fire. Uh, I also watched uh, Doctor Strange um, right after this, just so I can cleanse my palate a little bit. Uh, good Marvel movie. I was, you know, I watched it because I, you know, it seems like this storyline is going to become more integral in uh, the MCU moving forward. But, you know, I don't think I've seen the original, uh, in its entirety since I saw it in theaters. Uh, a, a decent Marvel, you know, perfectly decent Marvel movie. Like I, I keep saying like all these Marvel movies are like middle of the pack, but it, you know, there's like middle of the pack, the top tier and like the bottom of the pack is only like two or three movies, but Doctor Strange, perfectly, a perfectly fine origin story that feels like it uh, laid down a lot of things in the MCU moving forward, but I'm glad I rewatched it. Um, speaking of Marvel, uh, What If, uh, the latest episode, uh, I don't really have anything too, you know, crazy to say about it. Like, you know, yeah, it was cool that they were able to find connections between Killmonger and Tony Stark and like how they both have similar backgrounds, but... The episode was, it was just definitely the most, of all the what if episodes they've done so far, this one was definitely the least interesting, uh, in my opinion, and, you know, poorly executed. And then last up, uh, this morning I woke up and I watched Seabiscuit. Uh, you know, I was just looking for something to kill time before 
uh, football started, uh, something that I could fold laundry during. And I don't remember if I've seen this movie in its entirety uh, before. Um, if I have, it's been a long, long time. Uh, but I mean, it's fine. It's a perfect, perfectly fine sports drama. Um, you know, Depression era. Um, you know, <laughs> making movies about the Great Depression was all the rage in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, but the movie is very Oscar Beatty. Uh, you know, Jeff Bridges, Tobey Maguire, Elizabeth Moss, uh, and Chris Cooper. Uh, Elizabeth Moss doesn't really have anything to do. Uh, in it, but you know, it's it's a good. I think it's a good performance from Tobey Maguire. Great performance from Jeff Bridges and Chris Cooper. Um, but I mean, it's after watching, it, I was just like, okay, I watched it. Like every now and then, it'll be on TV. Uh, and now that I've seen it in its entirety, I don't think I'll have any problem just like flipping it on just to pass the time. But like that's all this movie is going to be to me is just a, a time passer. Okay, that is it. Let's wrap this up. Uh, just over an hour for time. Um, why don't you do me a favor and go follow us on social media. We're at Quarantine Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we're also, uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are heard, we're there. Uh, I also have a new show coming out. The reason that we, I actually should have mentioned this at the top of the episode. The reason that we've cut uh, you know, the show down to once a week is because I'm working on this other show right now. It's called Somebody Snuff Me, uh, a Survivor podcast. And we're basically just going to be doing weekly, uh, weekly reviews and breakdowns of uh, the new season of Survivor, which is coming out on this Wednesday, September 22nd. So uh, go look that up. It's called Somebody Snuff Me. Uh, I'm really excited for it. It's something I've wanted to try for a long time, uh, but the show just hasn't been on the air. So, uh, but yeah, I am, again, Somebody Snuff Me. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram for that one. No Facebook. Uh, and it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts uh, as well. Uh, yeah, so go go check that out. Um, and make sure you watch Survivor on Wednesday. Uh, I'm super, super excited for that. Uh, all right, well, that is going to do it uh, for this week. So everybody, remember, don't be a hero. Stay inside and watch a movie.